Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Truth For Today. My name is Joseph Franta, and we're in the third part of a series on Israel in the end of days. Their prophetic place in the end of days, how they, it's so important to understand their place in prophetic scripture and their place in God's prophetic timeline. So as you read and study about the nation of Israel and God's promises and covenants with them, you literally will be unfolding a revelation of God's prophetic timeline for the end of days. So I'm going to pick up here. I'm going to review a little bit uh, from last time. This is Paul, his sermon at Antioch of Pisidia uh, in the synagogue when he landed there with Barnabas on his first missionary journey. And I'm going to pick up, I'm going to read a little bit fast, but I've got to get, got to review this a little bit and, and get through it. But when they departed, this is Acts 13, verse 14. And when they departed, Paul and Barnabas, from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. This was Paul's custom. Wherever he went, he would go into the synagogues first because he knew the call of God on Israel and on the Jews. Verse 15, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, that what, that's what they did in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. They, they read the law, Moses, and the prophets. And it says, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, you men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on, or speak it up. Give it to us. Verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers. That's a very important phrase, chose our fathers. So Israel is chosen of God. And exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. You know, they had to go to Egypt for a period of time. And God sent Moses to deliver them out of Egypt. And with a high arm brought he them out of it. In other words, God brought them out of Egypt with mighty signs and wonders and miracles, with the finality being the parting of the Red Sea. Certainly a tremendous sign and wonder. Verse 18. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. In other words, they weren't, you know, they weren't real submitted to God. They weren't obedient. You know, you had the, the time of the golden calf and all the other stuff that they did that were, you know, real fleshly and really an abomination to God. But he suffered their manners, it says, in the wilderness because he was tied to them through covenant. Verse 19, and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, this is after Joshua crossed the Jordan, with all those 20 years of age and under, after 
He had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. This is the Lord. He divided their land to them by lot. In other words, he divided up the land at Shiloh. He divided up the regions for the 12 tribes of Israel, where they would live, what their inheritance was. The land was part of their inheritance. And it was divided up and given to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Verse 20, and after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. So they didn't have a king. God was their king, but he gave them judges to, you know, judge them and rule, uh, you know, disagreements and so forth. And then Samuel came. That Period of the judges ended, and then Samuel comes on the scene. He was a godly man. He was a man of prayer, an intercessor, and he led Israel very faithfully for a long time. And under his ministry, his prophetic ministry to Israel, in verse 21, and afterward they desired a king. So during this time of really rebellion, they desired a king. They wanted to be like the nations, but... They weren't called to be like the nations, and that's why the king did not work out. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. Now, the number 40 in Scripture is the number of probation. So God's only going to put up with rebellion for so long. And then it'll be exit. He'll remove people after a period of probation. But this was really a wonderful change because God was bringing on David to be their king. Verse 22, Acts 13, And when he, God, had removed him, Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, the shepherd boy who loved God with all of his heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, God was looking for someone that would do his will. And he found him. And God says about David, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony. God gave testimony about David and said, I have found David. I wonder how long he was looking for him. Maybe throughout that 450 years of the judges and through the whole 40 years of Saul, he was looking searching to find a man that would, whose heart would be after God and who would want to do God's will. And he also gave testimony, God also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will, which will do all my will. Verse 23, of this man's seed, hath God, according to his purpose, or promise, excuse me, of this man's seed, of David's seed, hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus Christ. God promised David that his seed would sit on the throne of Israel forever. Now that seed he was talking about was the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He came from the line of David. In fact, many times, in the New Testament, he was referred to as the son of David. 
He was part of the royal line. He had to come through the royal line of David by covenant promise that God had made with David that someone of his seed would sit on, would sit on the throne of Israel forever. God's promises are sure. And I mentioned last time, I'll mention it again, it's so important. Psalm 89, 34 says, my covenant I will not break, nor will I violate or alter the words of my mouth. Once God makes a covenant, it's sure, steadfast, faithful, and true to come to pass. And the Bible is a book of covenants. The thread or the theme of covenant runs through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Verse 23, of this man's seed, David, hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first, John the Baptist, had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance, preparing the people's heart for the coming of the Messiah. So John went before him and he preached the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John fulfilled his course or finished his course, he said, whom think ye that I am? I am not he. In other words, I'm not the Messiah. I'm only the forerunner. But behold, there cometh one after me, meaning Christ, whose shoes or the shoes of his feet I am not worthy to untie or to loose. I'm not even worthy to tie or loose his shoelaces, so to speak. Verse 26, Paul preaching, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. He's speaking to the Jewish people in Antioch of Pisidia, in their synagogue. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is this word, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So God sent salvation to the Jews first. That's why Paul it was his custom to go into the synagogues first because salvation was first of the Jews. Jesus himself said, salvation is of the Jews. It was to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile then. To you is the word of this salvation sent. Verse 27, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers because they knew him not, didn't recognize the Messiah when he came, nor yet the voices of the prophets. The prophets were foretelling about him for thousands of years. Even back in Genesis, the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. He's prophesied for years, thousands of years, foretold that he would come for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. So that also was a prophecy, that he would die. The Lamb of God, 
would die. The sacrificial lamb would die to take away the sins of the world. That was prophesied too. So they fulfilled those scriptures of his death in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death, no fault in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, oh, there's been so much written of Jesus. In fact, Jesus is in every book in the Bible. Numerous ministers have preached about it and mentioned the prophecies about Jesus in every book. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, the cross, and laid him in a sepulcher. But God, verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And he declared unto you glad tidings, good news. And we declared unto you glad tidings or good news. How that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children. Talking about the Jews of that day that Paul preached in Antioch of Pisidia. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus, Yeshua, again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. What was he talking about in Psalm 2? David, who was a prophet and a king, prophesied that Jesus would be the first begotten of the dead. And he wrote Psalm Two, and he said, Thou art my son. He was speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, under the anointing of, under the anointing of God himself. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. That refers to his resurrection from the dead. He was brought to life again when God raised him from the dead for our justification. God was totally satisfied with Christ's sacrifice so that he could justify every repentant sinner on the face of the earth in every generation, they could receive new life and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh, it's so exciting. Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Verse 34, and as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Oh my. Now I don't have time to get into this, the Davidic covenant, but in the Davidic covenant, it's mentioned in Isaiah 55, three other places. David said in 2 Samuel 23, five, is not my house so with God? For he has made an everlasting covenant with me, ordered in all things and secure. For all my salvation, and all my desire, will he not indeed make it grow? God put on Jesus. He laid upon his shoulders the government. 
and upon his shoulders shall rest the government of the ages. And he will sit on the throne of Israel, David's throne, as his seed forever. Every little detail in the Bible is important, and God is fulfilling every jot and tittle. Every detail, every word he's ever spoken will be fulfilled and come to pass. This is a glorious day. When they declared that, I think it was Psalm, I can't remember which one it was, but this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in that. They're talking about Jesus the Messiah coming the first time. This is the day which the Lord has made. The day that Christ appeared the first time. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And on the day of Palm Sunday, they laid their coats and palm leaves in the road and Christ fulfilled the scripture that the Messiah would ride on a donkey, the foal of an ass. And he entered Jerusalem and the people said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna to him who comes in the name of the Lord. It was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, fulfilling scriptures that he would come, a humble Messiah, riding on a donkey's colt, entering Jerusalem, the king, the city of the great king, Jerusalem, and the king entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and they're throwing the palms in the way, and even throwing their cloaks in the way, and they're shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He had come to save them. And later on in Isaiah, it says, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders and of his kingdom. There will be no end. We're just in a little interim period right now before he returns and there will be no end. To his kingdom on this earth. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up where I left off here. Verse 29. I'll just review that. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. That is the disciples, the apostles and the, and the disciples. There were 120 in the upper room, but there actually were 500 people that I witnessed Christ risen from the dead. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 32, and we declare unto you glad tidings or good news, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Talking about the day that Christ was raised from the dead. He was the firstborn of many brethren. He led many sons to glory. 
You're one of them if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Verse 34, and as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. The guarantee that he gave David, that of his seed, someone would sit on his throne forever. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God for his generation, seek to serve the purpose of God for your generation. For David, after he had served the purpose of God for his generation, doing the will of God, fell asleep and was laid with the fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption because he lives forever. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Be it known unto you, verse 38, Therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. There's no forgiveness without receiving Christ. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Works. You can work all you want. But religious works will never save you. Only faith in Christ can save you. And the moment you accept him as Lord and Savior of your life, the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all sin and makes you a new creation and you become a child of God, a son of the living God, son or daughter of the living God. And by him all that believe are justified from all sin, from all things, delivered from all things that enslaved us. And by him all that believe are delivered from all things from which you could not be delivered or justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore, lest that, least that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you scorners, and wonder and perish, for I am working a work in your day, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man describe it to you. That's exactly what God's doing today. He's doing a work in our day, which men could not even describe, though it were, it were revealed to them. Because it's so mighty, it's so huge, it's so great what God is doing on the earth today with Israel, his covenant people, and with the body of Christ, his church, his New Testament people. And I'll tell you, the Bible says, beware, lest you, you know, be a scorner or, you know, show contempt of God and his people. Because God will ultimately have his way on this earth. The salvation and the kingdom and the power of our God will once again reside 
on this earth. Jesus returning, the King of glory. Wow. Okay, let me go on here. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They were, they were on fire after listening to this sermon. Light was being poured out in their hearts. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So they got saved. By grace we are saved. And the next Sabbath came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw that the multitudes, they were filled with envy, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. They became even bolder and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. In other words, that's covenant talk. It was necessary because you're in covenant with God, the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you are rejected and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for the salvation unto the ends of the earth. That's all I'm going to do today. Look at Acts chapter 13. I speak a blessing over you today. May God open up your eyes and heart to see the glory and the power of his word and of his gospel. Thank you for being with me today. 